Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am Movie Mike on Twitter and Instagram, at Mike Destro. That's Mike, D-E-E-S-T-R-O. And on this episode, I am talking about sequels that are better than the original movies, which I think is a very hard thing to do, and very few movies have done it, but I'll break down what sequels I think are better than the originals, and I also asked a bunch of you guys on Twitter for your opinion. There's some I agree with, and there's some I disagree with, so I can't wait to get into those, so we'll talk about all that. I also did a deep dive into a movie franchise this week, and I'm exploring the Oceans movies, so Oceans 11, Oceans 12, 13, and even the spinoff Oceans 8. I watched all those this week, and I'm going to break down and rank those and give my reviews on each of those films. And I'm also going to talk about this really interesting study that came out last week about how the majority of people now just want to watch new movies at home. So I kind of want to get into and break down what I think movie theaters will have to do to adapt to people now getting a taste of what it's like to have brand new movies in our house and how they're going to kind of get us to go back into the theaters to watch new movies. So we'll break down all those things in this episode. And again, it just means a lot to see all the new listeners here checking out the podcast, listening every week. And if you're a new listener and don't mind, tell a friend, tell them you've been listening to this podcast that's all about movies and maybe they should check it out too if they're into movies. And also if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I know I say this every week, but it really does make a big difference if you guys just do a quick little review, write it up on there, leave that five-star rating to help me kind of boost myself up there out in the podcast world. I kind of look each week of where I'm ranked among the other movie podcasts, and the higher I get up there, the kind of happier it makes me. So if you guys could help me out with that, it would be amazing. Or if you don't want to do any of that, just make sure you subscribe because I put brand new episodes out every single Monday. And if you hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, you'll get it right there on your phone or wherever you load these up on. Every single Monday, it'll be right there for you when you wake up or when you're going to sleep, whenever you listen to podcasts. I don't judge you. So, all right. With all that said, here's the episode. Let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast. One man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. 
from the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so let's get right into it. Talking about sequels that were better than the original movies. I asked you guys on Twitter for your opinions, and I'm excited to get to those responses because I think there's some movies that are just undeniably better than the originals, and I'm excited to talk about those. But even maybe what I'm probably more excited about are the ones that I disagree with you guys on, which I like it when we can disagree about a movie, especially when it comes to sequels. So I also want to set the stage, and I always set the stage with the criteria for what I have going into this episode. So what a sequel is defined as, first of all, is anything that comes after the first one. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the part two of a movie. Anything that comes after the first one, whether it be a trilogy or beyond, I'm considering all those movies. So if there's any movie in a line of a franchise that was better than the original movie, they can go on this list. So it could be a part three. It could be a part four. It doesn't have to be the second movie. Second of all, I also wanted to break down some of these by the numbers and by critic reviews, however they were received. So if a movie had more Oscar nominations for a sequel, maybe you can take that into consideration. Maybe you can take that into consideration as well. So I kind of broke down the first ones of just by the numbers, what movies were actually better as sequels than the original. They performed better. And then I'll just kind of get into my own personal opinion of what I enjoyed more and what I think holds up better over time. So first of all, I just want to get into the ones that kind of just as a matter of fact, these are actually seen as better movies than the originals on paper. So First of all, I think you got to throw out The Godfather, which I'm not a really a big fan of The Godfather movies. I like a good gangster movie, but something about those movies, they're very long and very drawn out, and I don't feel like they're a little bit before my time, and I never really found myself getting back into those movies. But on paper, they've received a bunch of nominations. Each one of the trilogy has been nominated for Best Picture, which is a very hard thing to do because... When the Academy Awards set out to pick the movies for Best Picture, it's very rare that they pick a sequel because what a Best Picture has to be is a novel movie. It has to be never done before or a story told in a way that hasn't been seen before on the big screen. But when you come with a sequel, it's like, okay, you've already done a part one of this. What could make it so different that it'd be worthy of the Best Picture nomination? That's a big reason into why it's hard for any kind of sequel to make it as a Best Picture nominee, and very few movies have done it to even be nominated, and even less have done it to actually go on to win. So I'll actually address all those that have actually been able to do it. But The Godfather on paper, the whole franchise, Part 2 just won and had more nominations, and Part 1 and 2 both received the Best Picture nominations. So that's pretty crazy that back-to-back, they won for Best Picture, and then Part 3 was nominated but didn't get the win. So if you're looking at all these movies on paper, Part 2 actually has a better track record. And a lot of the responses you guys had on Twitter was that Part 2 was seen as a better movie. And just by the numbers, you can't deny that one. Another one you guys hit me with was Lord of the Rings Return of the King, which is actually the final in the trilogy. And was actually the first of the series to win Best Picture. The first two were nominated, but didn't get that win. And in total, the Lord of the Rings franchise has received 11 Oscar nominations, which is a bunch. Now, like the Godfather movies, this was another trilogy that was hard for me to get into, mainly because I feel the movies lack a lot of action. It's really just a bunch of walking and a bunch of talking and with very limited action, I feel like, in my opinion. 
And I do feel, though, if you do pick one of these movies out, part two has the most action out of all of them. But I do feel like if you pick one of these movies out to be a standout of the series, I would have to go with part three, which I feel has the most action out of all of them. And I would say is way better than the original. So The Godfather and The Lord of the Rings are really the only movies to win for best picture that have been a sequel. But the other one that's kind of in a different category would be Toy Story. Now, it didn't win for best picture but it won for best animated movie which i believe when toy story one and two came out the category didn't exist yet so it may have even won more but both three and part four got the nomination and got the win and for me the whole toy story franchise had a really close place in my heart i remember when the first one came out and it was the first animated movie to ever use that cgi technology and i was like this just looks amazingly different but not only that the story was really great but I kind of feel like the one that really brings everything together is part three. I got really emotional in the movie theater when I saw that movie. And I feel like all around that that is a better movie than the first one. Visually, I think it looks a lot better because there's a lot of years in between part two and part three. So it was also very highly anticipated, mainly because the first two were so beloved but I feel like they got Toy Story a lot more right in this one. And it really tugged more at the heartstrings. More so than the first two. Because the first two are really just kind of funny. And set the stage that way. But for this one, I think it kind of crossed that line of just being a kid's movie. To being a movie that the adults that went to go watch it remember the movies as a kid. And were also able to enjoy it a lot more. And of course it introduced the whole Toy Story franchise to a bunch of new kids. So I really think three is the best in all the franchise. I thought four was okay, but unnecessary. And I, I kind of hope they end it there. Like they didn't really need to make the part four. I liked that they did because I was able to go back into the theater and watch Toy Story on the big screen. But overall, the story didn't really go anywhere further with Andy and with the kids. So I thought they could have ended it at three and it would have been perfect. So I hope they don't make a five as much as I would like to go back and see another Toy Story movie. I think to kind of hold the magic of the franchise, they should probably keep it at four. But without a doubt, I think part three is just better than the original. All right, so I got actually a bunch of tweets about this one. Nicole Gage was actually the first one to tweet me about it. And it's for Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Now, I'm really passionate about this one too because... I know everybody likes the first one, but I was really young when this first one came out. Probably it came out in 94. I was born in 91, so I was three years old. I don't think I watched it right when it came out, but I was still uh, at most eight when I saw the first one. And I felt it was just a lot more adult and a lot more like the jokes kind of I didn't really get all the way as a kid. And then I remember watching Ace Ventura When Nature Calls and thinking like, oh, this is so much funnier. And it's more just Jim Carrey kind of going all out in this one. I think he had such a big hit in the first one that they were like, all right, let's do the sequel and just kind of let Jim Carrey go and really take on the persona of Ace Ventura. And I thought he turned it up to 11 pretty much in the next one. I also just thought the story was better in the second one. And there was a lot more memorable moments, memorable quotes than in the first one. Like, I know that the catchphrases were born in the first one, but I just think there were a lot more funny situational moments in the sequel than the original. And I also think just going back and watching these as an adult and even just watching them in the kind of scope of 2020, 
The second one holds up better. The whole plot in the first one, if you go back and watch now, it's kind of like, oh, man, they were really able to get away with some of this stuff in the 90s. So I think the second one is just a more fun movie. It's less adult. So if you're watching it as a kid, it's not thing that has any kind of double entendre or just anything sexual in it. And it's just a lot straight up like almost Ace Ventura as a cartoon character put to life. And I just think now if I'm going to go back and watch either part one or part two, I'm going to go with part two when nature calls. So I think it's better than the original. All right, going through some more of your tweets. Now, another one that's really undeniable is The Dark Knight being better than Batman Begins. Like, you don't really have to say anything more about that. It was just a better movie. Batman Begins set the stage for it, but I felt some of the parts of the story were a little bit confusing, and it didn't really have that edge of The Dark Knight yet. And then when you get to The Dark Knight, it's like, oh, this is just a movie on an entirely different level from that opening scene. It really has just nonstop action throughout, and without a doubt, it's just better than the original. And then staying on the Batman franchise, I think Batman Returns was a lot better than the first Batman. Now, the first one was a lot darker and a lot more serious and a lot more kind of violence in it. But there was something about making it more of a comic book style movie in the second one, making it a little more cartoony that I felt brought a little more life to the franchise and made me kind of enjoy it more. Now, I like Jack Nicholson as the Joker in the first one. I didn't feel like it was anything great. I remember watching it as a kid and I was like, this is kind of just seen as a guy with the clown makeup. I didn't really feel like he was and embodied the Joker. But in the second one, I just kind of liked the villain a lot more as Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Like, I thought he played that perfectly and fit that role so great that it kind of really made that movie for me. And I also think it's the only time they've ever gotten Catwoman right. So there's just a lot more that I go back and like about Batman Returns than I ever did about Batman. All right, now, I'm a big Marvel fan. I've seen all the movies, and I have to say, I think the weakest superhero out of all of them with standalone movies has to be Captain America. Now, he has kind of redeemed himself over the years, and I've kind of had him more of like, okay, I can see why people like him and why he's a little bit more beloved than I feel like he should be in my eyes. But I think it was that first movie that I just thought he was... A little bit boring like there wasn't much to his character that movie was very slow and it's hard when you have it placed back in the day and it kind of has just at the start of it a slower vibe and i didn't really feel like red skull was that great of a villain in the first one and his overall origin story was just very slow and drawn out but when you put him into captain america the winter soldier it's like all of a sudden right into action you have him fighting bucky and it's just this is where it kind of gets good. This is where it's a little more interesting. You throw in Black Widow in there, and there's just a lot more action and right to the point. So I still felt like it took me probably a right around Captain America Civil War tour. I was like, okay, I actually like Captain America now. I'm into his character. I like Chris Evans. But it took all those kind of movies in between to get me to that point because I felt like his origin story wasn't anything great. And if they didn't have the addition of all the other Marvel characters around him and the first Avengers movie, I don't think like his standalone movies would have done as well. And also in Civil War, I felt it was so heavy with Iron Man at that point that they kind of like crowbarred it in there. Like, okay, we basically have to put our biggest superhero Iron Man and kind of put him together with Captain America and really make him stand out a lot more. And I think that ended up being really successful for them. 
and was really important into finishing out that whole run of the Avengers movie. So easily, without a doubt, I thought the second one was way better than the first Captain America. My favorite would still have to be Captain America Civil War. And I'll have to go one more that I agree with you guys on before I get into the ones that I can't agree with. And it was Hunger Games. Catching Fire was way better than the original. Now, when it comes to the books, I like the first one the best because I think it gives the whole overall story. And you really kind of dive into Katniss and everything that's going on in District 12. But when it comes to the movies, I felt like the first one was so rushed. And also at this point, they didn't know that these movies were going to be a hit. So I felt like they didn't put the money into these movies to really make them great. I felt like there was just so much more visually they could have done with the first one. And I also felt it just ended so abruptly, which I guess it does in the book too. But I kind of felt like when I watched it in theaters that I was let down a little bit at the ending. I know it goes abruptly in the book, but it's like, okay, it finally gets to the really good part. And now it's kind of over and it felt like a really big cliffhanger. So I never really had that satisfaction with the first one watching it. But then when the second one came out, everything was kind of taken up a level. The costume design was a lot better. I felt like it actually looked like what I envisioned when I was reading the book. The cast grew more and they brought all these other characters from the book to life. And I just felt like they put more thought into all the minute details that really made the books great. And they really just got it better. So easily, I think Catching Fire was better than the original and probably my favorite in the entire franchise. All right, now I just want to hit on some of the ones that you guys submitted that I couldn't agree with, starting first with Frozen. Now, a bunch of people said that Frozen 2 was better than Frozen 1, and I think a lot of the argument is that the music is better in Frozen 2, which I do agree with. I think it has overall a lot more memorable songs in the first one. Maybe they're a little more sing-alongable, I guess, and really the first one has Let It Go and maybe... The other ones just aren't as memorable. So I get that part of it. And I know it's a musical and that's a, you know, what stands out a lot. But I just think the story is better in Frozen 1. And I feel more attached to Elsa in that one, getting to know her. Even to when it comes to that part of her first singing, Let It Go. Like, I've heard that song so much before I ever watched this movie. Because I barely watched the first one and the second one this year. And when that song hit, I was like, oh, I finally get this song. And I finally get the story. And I was just so more dialed into that first one, finding out what happened. Then I was in the second one. I thought the second one was a lot darker and a little more adult even. And I just didn't feel as connected with the, the story throughout. And I didn't feel like it really kept my attention like the first one did. And I think if you put those two side by side, the first one just goes a lot further. So sorry, guys. In my heart, Frozen 1 will always beat out Frozen 2. Another one that a bunch of people said were the Star Wars movies that The Empire Strikes Back was better than the original. And I don't know what it is about the original, but I just feel it's just so more that you just get dropped into the, the world of Star Wars. Like in the first Star Wars, you kind of just accept everything. Like they bring in all these characters and you don't really know what's everything's connected. But you're like, this is cool. Like, I get it. I don't know what all these things that they're referencing and I don't know. Everything that's going on in this point, but I'm just focused in on what they're showing me, what they're telling me, and I'm into it. Like, I, I like the introduction of all the characters. I like that it starts out with mainly just R2-D2 and C-3PO and being told from their point of view. And I just really like the origin story of Star Wars in the first movie of being introduced to this whole new world, getting to know all these new characters, and then just going on that first journey with them. Now, I get that in the second one, you get into a little bit more of the iconic stuff 
with Darth Vader and the whole story kind of really starts developing and getting into the second one. But even looking at this one by the numbers, like this was the only one to be nominated for Best Picture. It received the most nominations and wins for that matter. And I just think you really can't deny that the first one just had a bigger cultural impact than all the others that followed before. So I just think without a doubt, the first one can't be competed with on any sequel. So sorry, guys. I just think that's the best one. So that's where I'm at on all those. Thanks, everybody, for all the tweets. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you disagree with me, just hit me again on Twitter and make your arguments there. I'm on Twitter at Mike Destro. That's Mike, D-E-E-S-T-R-O. Hit me up. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. All right, so speaking of movies with a bunch of sequels, what I did this week for my reviews is I wanted to dive into an entire franchise, and the franchise I picked was all the Oceans movies. So what I'm talking about is the original trilogy and the one spinoff that came out last year. I'm not going back as far as the original Oceans 11 1960 movie just because I wanted to look at the Oceans movies that we know and then the spinoff that was, I don't say controversial, but kind of... It wasn't seen as a sequel. It's it's labeled as a spinoff. But I wanted to include that in here as well and just rank all of them and give kind of my reviews for each one as how I enjoyed them. So starting first, at number four is going to be Ocean's 12, which I just felt was the outright weakest of the movies because now they're coming off a really strong one with Ocean's 11, which came out in 2001. Three years later, Ocean's 12 came out in 2004. I wouldn't say that this one was a bad movie. I just felt it kind of had identity crisis because what made the first one great is it just followed one heist. And right away, what I didn't like about this movie 
is that it like I I'm okay with things being unbelievable. Like I, I buy into the fact that they could break into this place and actually steal this stuff. I believe a movie creates the world, but they have to abide by the rules that they create. So I'm not criticizing it for that, but how this movie kind of starts out is they're threatened by the guy who's in the first one, which I'll get into my review later. And he just kind of comes out and hits him with this thing of like, okay, you have to collect all this money that you owe me and you have this long to do it. And they just kind of buy into it right away. I felt like there was no kind of fight back of like them coming up with another plan and they just kind of go right into it of like, okay, yeah, let's do what he says. And they just kind of rolled over so easily that I didn't like it. I didn't feel like it fit their characters because in the first one, they're just so strong of like going after this guy and taking his money, and then here they're just like, oh yeah, let's better give it back before he uh, gets mad at us. I just didn't really like how it set off at the very beginning. And then getting into the movie, I just feel it's a little clunky because how the first one focuses on one heist, this one has a bunch of separate jobs, and they don't really go into full detail on all of them, and they just kind of happen, and you're kind of confused at certain points. So I felt that took a lot away from the movie. And then it's not really clear, like, who the bad guy is in this one until, like, the very end. And then I have this whole theory I'll get into later um, at the very end of this about when they introduce celebrities in the movies that are celebrities that they play themselves in the movie, but yet they're dealing with other actors. I'll kind of explain that whole thing here later, but I just felt overall this movie didn't really do it for me. I felt like about halfway through, I didn't really care what was going Unlike all the other ones where I'm like, oh, how are they going to pull this off? Like, what exactly is going to happen? But about halfway through this, and I was like, you know what? I can see why this one is really viewed at the best. So at number four, I'm going to put Ocean's 12. At number three, I'm going to put Ocean's 8, which came out back in 2018 with an all-female cast. Now, this isn't seen as a sequel to the originals. It's seen as a spinoff because it's not directed by the original director. Now, you have a really great cast in this one. Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Rihanna, Helena, Bonham Carter, and Aquafina, who all make up the Ocean's 8 all-female cast, which I think is really what kind of made this one interesting and made me want to watch because you have essentially a different take on the original franchise. And I actually really enjoy this one. I think I start out with kind of an ode to the first Ocean's 11, and it's... Sandra Bullock's character who plays the sister of Danny Ocean and basically what happens to her is exactly what happens to him in the first one she's getting out of prison and while she was in prison she came up with this whole plan to pull off this really big heist and then after about the first maybe 10 minutes of the movie I feel like it really becomes its own and this one's probably a little more comedic than the all the other Ocean's movies you have all these comedic actresses and then just very serious actresses all together in this cast so it's kind of kind of has a really good mix of the of both like the original ones but i think it leans a little bit more towards the comedy in this one so while the action is still great and the whole overall heist is really great i think it leans toward a little more comedy so maybe that's why it didn't get as great a reviews i think as it was expecting because i think they were just going for something different but i think it works really well together i think the heist itself was really well done and really explained in a way to where it kind of makes sense, even though it is pretty far-fetched. I think they broke it down in a way so much that it was like, okay, you know what? This could maybe actually happen. I like that it was placed in modern day and they do the same thing again where they take real-life celebrities playing themselves in this, which are interacting with people who are also celebrities but playing different characters. Again, I'll explain this whole kind of theory I have in movie 
rules that uh, I'll get to the very end of this. But I thought overall this was a very good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. I know it didn't really get the greatest reviews, but like I thought they all had really great chemistry together. And I would even go for making a sequel to this spinoff. So I was into it. I think it's a pretty good movie. At number two, I'm going to have to put Ocean's 13. I like that they came back to Vegas for this one. I like the introduction of Al Pacino's character in this one. And they kind of go back to having that one original task, that one original heist with a few other kind of wrenches thrown in the gears. And it's kind of cool to see them come back six years after the first one and everybody's like a lot better looking and a lot more successful. I don't think they're so into the peak of their A-list status at this point and being super rich and famous. So I don't think they could ever really do this movie again at this point, but I'm glad that they were able to come back and kind of close out the trilogy I think with overall story, this one's pretty strong and it just kind of gives you that kind of good feeling that the first one gave you and everything just kind of makes sense in this one, unlike it did in Ocean's 12. So I had to put this one at number two. Overall, just a really solid movie, really great action. And finally, Brad Pitt has a decent haircut. At number one, I got to put the original Ocean's 11. Now, this one really set the stage for the entire franchise. And first of all, what I loved about this one is I really like movies based in Las Vegas. Just something about... The action there and the views of the casino and all that kind of stuff, I just think plays really great into watching a movie. It's very visually appealing, which I know a bunch of movies are just based in New York and based in L.A. And you kind of get tired of that a little bit. So when they go to Vegas, I just really like that. And I really like the heist in this one. I think out of all the movies, it's the most satisfying once it's pulled off. It feels like the most intricate planning that they do in, out of all of these of like, OK, this is all the steps to this all the kind of intricate parts and all the roles that everybody plays in the movie, I thought really has a great payoff and really kind of works together well. Also, I just love that everybody's really young in this movie. Like Casey Affleck is in this looking very little like Casey Affleck. You got a younger George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And it's kind of all of them before they're really super A-list status. Although I would still all consider them A-list at this point, but they're a lot richer and more successful now that making this movie would be impossible to do at this point. There's no way you could get all these schedules synced up together. And also, surprisingly, I think this one really holds up, even though it came out 19 years ago. I think aside from Vegas looking a little bit different and maybe like the cell phones they're using, I think you could still watch it and still kind of feel like it could have been placed in today's world. It's also really great to see Bernie Mac in this movie, and you forget that Aside from him being a great comedian, he's also a really great actor, and I like him in this movie. And then let's not forget that Julia Roberts is in this one and does a really great job. And the thing I want to get to now is the whole thing that kind of goes throughout all these movies is that in the movies, there's celebrities playing themselves. So in like the first one, you have Topher Grace, and in the movie, he's playing Topher Grace. And then even in the second one, you have Julia Roberts who's playing a character named Tess, but in the movie, she also plays Julia Roberts, and it's a whole thing, and then Bruce Willis is in there. There's a bunch of other celebrities thrown into this one and in all the other movies that I just kind of wonder about what this world creates and how this kind of looks in my head because I'm watching them, and I realize that, okay, they're saying that these people in this world are celebrities, but then you have to also think of like, okay... If they're a celebrity, and George Clooney is a celebrity too, but in this movie, he's not playing George Clooney. He's playing Danny Ocean. So it's like in this world, if he knows Julia Roberts is Julia Roberts, like wouldn't the real George Clooney know Julia Ro I don't know. It just, it kind of screws with my head a little bit because they're creating this world 
of where one person is famous in the world that we know because it's present day, but it's also this person isn't famous. He's just a regular guy. And then the other question I just have, like, what if they ask Brad Pitt's character, Rusty, in this movie? Like, hey, Rusty, what's your favorite movie? And he's like, Fight Club. That couldn't happen. Like, he couldn't like Fight Club because Brad Pitt is in Fight Club. But yet in in this world, all these other celebrities exist. So somewhere I just feel if you look back at the lines, somewhere these lines cross. Like at some point, they're all connected with the celebrity in the movie. So I get it. It's a movie. You kind of have to displace that and not think about that kind of thing. But I just feel when your movie creates a world, you abide by the rules that they create. And it just kind of gets loopy. There's some kind of weird paradox in there. In my brain, when I watch these movies, like something doesn't add up here. There's a way that you kind of break that code. So I don't know. That's a weird theory I had. I hope that made some kind of sense. But it's just something to think about. Whenever somebody in a movie references another movie, in any movie, really, like you have to think like, hmm, what if they were in that movie? <laughs> so to close this out, in ranking, I put Ocean's 11 at number one, Ocean's 13 at number two. Oceans 8, the spinoff at number 3, and then Oceans 12, I put it at the bottom. I think this is a really great franchise to binge right now, mainly because they're fun movies, the action is great, and if you haven't seen them, it's kind of fun to take that first initial journey, and they feel like a roller coaster. So if you're looking for an old franchise to dive into, I think this one is kind of underrated and doesn't really get talked about a lot, so check it out. They're all available to rent online. I rented each one for about three bucks each. They're all available to rent online. I did it on Apple Plus TV. They're all about three bucks. So if you want to check those out, it's going to be a fun binge. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles. Like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection. In on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM, let's create. All right, so the last thing I want to talk about is this interesting study that I saw come out last week that said, a new study says that 70% of Americans would rather watch new movies at home 
And it's just got me to thinking of how movie theaters are going to be like within the next few months and when everything's kind of got to go back to normal. And I know that there's really no new theatrical releases coming until that first week of July. So everything's shifted to video on demand to stream it at home. And I got to admit, I've actually been more open to it now because at first I was a really big proponent of like, there's no way I would stop going to a movie theater. Like before this happened, like I was like, I like going to the movie theater and I like that experience. But now with everything kind of changing and feeling what the experience is at home, I'm a little bit more open to it, but I think it's very early on with everything right now. I just think that's where I'm at as a person when it comes to everything going on right now and my willingness to get back to normal, I'm a little more open to it now. But I wanted to break down this study a little bit more. So I put the question out there on my Twitter, kind of gauging it a little more because I felt like just asking and finding out that you'd rather watch new movies, new movies at home, I think there's a little bit more in there. So I asked, are you willing to go back to a theater or would you rather watch new movies at home? Asking that question, but I gave... The separate categories of number one, would you rather go back in theaters when they open? Number two, at home only from now on. Number three, in theaters, but not right now. So maybe later once things, we kind of see how everything goes. Or number four, make them both available. And actually what ended up getting the most votes was number four, make them both available. Like 43% of people on this poll said, that they would rather have them both available. And I'm kind of thinking that's where everybody kind of is because it's a really great luxury to have new movies at home. And I think that movie theaters are hesitant to do this because obviously where they make their money is not really from the ticket prices. It's people coming in and buying drinks, buying popcorn, buying candy. Like that's where their money gets made from. It's not really so much putting all the people in the seats. It's all the things they can sell to you once you're at the movie theater. And that's the reason that they don't want this video on demand to really take off. To just You can just click a button at your house, you pay the fee, and they get nothing from that. So there's a really big pushback on that going to as far as banning certain movie productions from being shown in their theaters who have done it this way. But I think what we're seeing now is there can kind of be a happy medium in between. Because I like having the choice. There are certain movies that I feel need to be seen on the big screen. Like these big summer blockbusters just play different on a big screen with a big sound that you don't have at home. But I also know that a bunch of people, myself included, have a pretty good home setup. Like we have nice TVs than we've ever had before with big screens, great sound. We have sound bars. We have headphones. We have all these things to watch movies at a better quality at home and that comfort of you know, just not having to leave. Like if we want to just get the family around, get our friends around to come over for a movie and pay 20 bucks as a flat rate as opposed to going to the theaters and everybody having to pay their ticket, everybody having to get on the same page and for the, you know, all that kind of other side and factors that go into it. It's a lot more easier, but I feel like having that choice to pick where you want to see the movie would be a really great thing to see played out. Now, I don't think they will be instantaneous because I think movie theaters are going to fight to stay alive, as they should, as I support. But I also think there has, we have that taste now of watching it at home. So they're not going to be able to, you know, go back to how everything was before. I think what's going to happen is maybe the line in between is maybe the first two weeks that a movie is just available in theaters. 
Like two weeks, I think is pretty quick. They may push it to like a month, but it's just available in theaters. And then pretty soon after it comes to video on demand, it's not this whole waiting two to three months to get it at home that we kind of have to wait now or even the longer of having to wait till it's on a streaming service. I think that's kind of where they have to move. Now they don't want to do that to be like both at the same time because they'll feel like, okay, they're taking away our sales because you're having the ability to choose right away. I think it'll have to be somewhere in between to where they give that period of time where it's theater is exclusive and then video on demand and then you go on to streaming and all that stuff. I think I would like that a lot more because there's certain movies, like I said, that I'm going to want to go see in theaters, like the big action movies, the big superhero movies, I think have a better experience watching them in theaters. But there's also just like rom-coms and other movies that I feel you don't need that big screen experience and maybe you don't want to spend as much that it would be a lot nicer just to sit down and watch them at home on a Friday night instead of going out. So I think it actually helps those kind of movies that maybe don't have as big a success at the box office to be able to have just like, okay, I can just watch this at home and it's a lot more convenient. They may get a shot. It's also really great for kid and family movies. Like we saw what the trolls movie did so well with videos on demand numbers that they made as much and actually more than the original did in theater. So that's an undeniable market right there. They can still make a lot of money from so that's just my thoughts on the whole thing. I know we kind of had the entire summer now to kind of wait until things start going back in and then getting into the fall releases. They're still all scheduled to kind of come out at the rescheduled dates. I don't think anybody now has taken those away yet. So we'll see what happens. All right, and that's the episode for this week. But before I go, every week I give out an Instagram or Twitter shout out for anybody who has tagged me in their Instagram story or sent me a tweet. And this next one actually comes to me from my Instagram DMs. It's from Soph and she says, Hey Mike, I just want to say my sister and I are obsessed with your podcast. My dad's been sick and in bed for a few months and he loves movies. So I recently got him into it too. Love you and love your podcast. So not only is that awesome stuff that you're listening to the podcast, but also you got your sister into it and now your dad, like that's amazing in itself. And I hate the fact that he's been sick and in bed for so long. So I just want to give him a shout out. So shout out Peter to listening to the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode, man. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks to everybody who's listened through the entire episode. And if you're listening to this part now, send me a tweet and hashtag it movie mics and let me know that you listened to the episode the entire way through and just give me what you thought was the coolest part of the episode or what you agreed with or what you disagreed with. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. 
Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.